0: Everybody okay? It was kind of a hard weekend, can we just be honest? It was kind of a tough one. Like, I, I don't, you know, it's uh, everyone lost on some, <laughs> some level. You like Austin FC? Bummer. Lost. You like UT? Bummer. You like AM? Bummer. Way bummer. Uh, you know, for me and a few of my comrades, Baylor? Bummer. We lost too. Like, everyone Loss and it was painful, you know. Like it's like you're kind of wanting the day to get better. It's just like, oh, that one stung, and then you know, it's like, oh, that one stung too. And you're like, and then I had a moment. Do you ever feel like you're living a nightmare? So this is me. Last night, Kevin soccer game ends about five forty-five. I get home. I smell like a combination of over chewed gum, coffee, and sweat. You know that like that that it's like that soccer dad smell. It's just very unique, not quite BO, but also not a blessing. And I'm sitting on my couch. I'm catching up on all the upsets, hearing about everything that's going on. And my phone goes off and it's a picture from Lindsay Falls. And she was like, okay, cool. Make sure you come in this door when you get here. And I'm like, oh no. (laughs) Completely forgot that I was supposed to speak at the discipleship school retreat there was an hour away in five minutes. You ever had one of those dreams, you know, where you like you show up and you're not a student anymore, but this dream never leaves, where you like go into class and somehow you didn't know you had a final, all right? So like that, I lived it last night. I like called Lindsay. I'm like, I am so sorry. No excuses. I'll be there in an hour and 15 minutes. So, Thanks for the grace, but we made it. It was awesome. But then I came home, got home at about ten thirty, just to watch Baylor lose. Like it was just a hard day. Like it was just, like it was just kind of a disappointing day, disappointing day, disappointing day. And uh, I like to sometimes take glimpses of struggles that I'm experiencing turn my eyes up to heaven and say, okay, Lord, is there anything that you'd like to teach me in this? You know, like you have one of those moments where you're like, okay, there's one thing happens, coincidence, two things, eh, like seven things end up not going the way you think. You're like, okay, Lord, are you trying to get my attention? You know, at, at, at the expense of the University of Texas and at A&M, like I'm listening, Lord. And, um, and, and honestly, he was like, you know what? It's just a reiteration that... I'm a God of comebacks. And this series we're going into called God is Undefeated, which, like I said last week, I think is a pretty cool title, so you can cheer if you'd like. But um, ultimately, what we're talking about is about the fact that, that the battle is not done. The struggle that we're in is, has not been defined. That the odds could be stacked against us, but our God is victorious. We're more than conquerors. And so where we're going to be going over the next few weeks is hopefully my goal for us is that we would all leave with a deeper understanding of how to walk in the victory that God has for us. Amen. That we would all learn to live in the victory that God has for us. Now here's a a little, a little, uh, a free note. If you want to win in life, don't do it by yourself. Can I get an amen? There's an old African proverb that I love. If you want to go far, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And that's ultimately this truth, this kingdom principle of walking with people, community, where people have an opportunity to know you and you to know them, a place where you can sow into their lives and they can sow into your life. It's so important to us that we have this thing called Belong Sunday that we do every once in a while where it's just a blanket like, hey, look, here's all the things we have going on. Find a spot like if it's on a sports team find a spot like get in a life group serve somebody go like go to the women's bible study like there is a place for you to belong and when you find it you will begin to thrive you'll begin to thrive because we're called we're created to walk in Community. Now, look, here's the thing. You're going to hear a few words little like that are going to happen. They're going to be coming at you throughout the next couple of weeks. And what we call them is our steps. And, and very simply at Antioch, we're like, hey, there's a rhythm of life that we want to live in. And that rhythm of life we call our steps. And that is that we want to be a people that encounter God. We want to be a people that matter where we are. We want to be a people that belong. We want to be a family. We want, to be a, uh, we want to be builders. We want to be a people that build the kingdom of heaven. We want to be a people that grow in our life with God. And we believe that if those things are happening in your life, you are moving forward in God in your life it's a rhythm it's it's a way to live it's a lens of life it's a pattern it's not like oh cool checked it off i matter now oh cool cool i belong now no it's like this ongoing thing that needs to be alive within us and so if you're like man i want to get more involved here lean into the steps find your place to belong find your place to matter serve on a serve team Like, I meant grow, do a growth course, jump into the growth courses that we have going on, like, as you get information on them, like, go somewhere, take some ground in your life. If those things are happening, you will be thriving in God. The steps are a rhythm in our lives and if this is your first time here at Antioch welcome home we hope you feel at home here and uh, my prayer for you and really for all of us I'm just going to pull it right out of scripture is Ephesians 3 verse 16 I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That's our prayer for all of us is that we would understand And live out of the glorious riches and the strength and the power that we have access to through Jesus. And like I said, new series of talks called God is Undefeated. Where we're going to talk about victory and that is coming out of Romans 8 verse 35. This is going to be what we like to call our anchor passage. You're going to hear it every week for the next five weeks. We want you to read it on your own, memorize it, intake it, breathe it in. Just get it into the fabric of who you are because it is a piece of who God's called you to be. It says this in Romans 8, verse 35, "...who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword?" As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me just read that part one more time. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers neither height nor death or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. I want you to say, I'm winning. Come on, say it. I know it was a hard night for everybody. Remind yourself, say, I'm winning. Now, if you hang out with me for any amount of time, you're probably going to hear me say one of two phrases. One of those phrases will be, have I told you this story already? That'll be one thing that you're probably going to hear. The other phrase that you're going to hear is, um, I watched a documentary on that. Now, <laughs> my team is melting down right now because they can't, we don't go through a meeting. Not a single meeting will happen where I'm not saying at least one of those, but usually both of those, like, oh, yo, have I told you this story? Or, oh, I watched a documentary on that, right? Because I think stories make life a little bit more fun, and I love learning about weird, obscure things. And so I read a lot of books, and I watch a lot of documentaries, and I find myself on these kind of weird wormholes that kind of don't yield any fruit, but are really exciting to go down, right? Like, to learn about obscure plants and different things like that, right? So, so that, that's me. And one of these wormholes I went down years ago uh, was about the 101st Airborne Division in World War II. Uh, there was a book, there's lots of books written about them, but there was a book called The Band of Brothers that got turned into like a TV series thing that kind of highlighted aspects of what they did. But without today turning into a history class, here's what you need to know. The 101st Airborne Division found themselves kind of in the middle of most of the important battles that happened in Europe. They, they just happened to always be in the right place at the right time or some would say in the wrong place at the wrong time. They were always in the middle of the action. Like they were, their heroics are just like you read about the stuff these guys did and how they led. You're like, wow, unbelievable. And one battle particular that, that most would say was really a tide-shifting battle is known as the Battle of the Bulge. We had been, and this is not what I feel like I'm battling right now, this is like a historic thing, but like they, they um, uh, the Germans actually said in a last-ditch effort, they're just going to storm the Allied lines, hoping to break through them, surround them and then eliminate them so that they could get the upper hand back from what was going on in Europe. This was kind of like their last offensive push in the European theater in World War II. And it was executed to precision, right? I mean, they just went for it, tanks, troops for days, nonstop, just coming and coming and coming and coming and punishing the Allied Lines And they just kept driving back and driving back. And if you look at a map at that time, it literally turned into a bulge in the Allied lines, which is how it got the name, the Battle of the Bulge. And the interesting thing is, is the 101st Airborne Division found themselves to be right there. And they said, you know what? No matter what, we're not moving. No matter what happens, we're not leaving. They got down By the end of this eight-day siege to one bullet per man per gun. And day and night, the enemy knew exactly where they were. And they would shell them with artillery shells day and night. And it was so freezing bitter cold and they didn't have the right clothes they didn't have winter jackets but they couldn't light fires because as soon as they lit a fire the enemy would zero in on that location and punish them for trying to warm themselves they didn't have food they didn't have the right clothes they didn't have right supplies there was no one that was able to get to them to support them and to back them up and you know what they were not thinking in the middle of that eight-day struggle man this feels like we're winning I don't think that that's a conversation that happened at all in any of those foxholes. I think the conversation that happened in those foxholes is, dude, what in the world is happening? Like, is anybody going to come and help us? But you know what? It's the truth is that you look back in history, because they didn't move, most historians say that's when we really won the war. Here's what I want you to hear. Victory sometimes feels like a battle. Victory sometimes feels like a battle. And walking in the victory that God has for us is about learning to thrive in the fight. Learning to thrive in the fight. Again, let's listen to Romans 8 one more time. Knowing all of these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see it? Like there's nothing that's going to come at you. There's nothing the enemy can do to you. There's nothing that will separate you from the love that God has for you. So, what's that mean for us is that that means that we can thrive in the fight. He is our ever present help in our time of need. Because what Jesus has done for us allows us, now I want you to get this, to live from victory. We don't have to fight for victory. The battle has been won, death has been defeated. So, we need to learn to live in victory. We don't have to fight for victory. We, our fight is to stay in victory. 1 John 4 verse 4 says, For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The, the living God has already won. The battle has been won. One, and I don't know who needs to hear this, maybe all of us need to hear this, but you need to hear that Jesus is greater in you than the things that are coming at you. Jesus is bigger in you. God is undefeated. And the battle sometimes feels like a fight. Victory does not feel like victory when you're winning. The battle can be confusing and disorienting, but the truth is is that we live from victory. We don't have to fight for victory. Victory. But here's the problem. The, the problem is, is why we all probably actually needed to hear that is, is that what is, that God, the God who is in us is bigger than anything that can come out of us. And it's like, regardless of what you're going through, that hits you like a breath of fresh air. That, that was like a, a cup of cold water because you remind yourself, oh yeah, that, that he who is in me is greater than what I am going through. The problem is, is that this side of heaven we are easily discouraged in the battle. The battle can be very discouraging. Most of us don't walk through our day feeling like we're more than conquerors. Can we just be honest for a little bit? Like We we read those scriptures, but we don't really live those scriptures because we don't walk around feeling like we're more than conquerors. We oftentimes walk around feeling conquered feeling like we're losing, feeling like we're losing ground, feeling like everything is falling apart or discouraged about what did happen or what didn't happen or looping about what you said or what they said. We don't walk around feeling and experiencing like we're conquering anything. We oftentimes feel like we are being comforted. We're we're, we're way more aware of what still needs to change in us than the victories that we've actually already experienced in our life. We're so much more aware. We could tell you in an instant where we still need to get better. But oftentimes, if you're like, man, tell me something that's happened in your life, they'll be like, what has happened in my life? Like, hey, tell me something you're struggling with. Boom. Instantaneous. Because we often walk around feeling conquered, not like we are more than a conqueror. We're so aware of what still needs to change that we have trouble seeing what God has already done. And hear me, it's not that we're not experiencing the victory of God. It's not that we're not experiencing his victory because the battle has been won. The conditions that we live in, the condition of the battle, the junk in our past, our sin, the residue of who we used to be makes it really, really hard at times to see clearly what God is doing. And I love how 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, puts it. And we are all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. We with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. And we're being transformed into his image. We're being transformed. We're being, it's a process. You know, transformation is a process. The the work that still needs to be done in us is real. The healing that needs to happen in us is absolutely there. But we have been saved and we're being transformed. Transformation takes time. And as we're being transformed, the enemy wants to take our eyes off of the victory that we're walking in and place it on the brokenness that we're still operating in. That's what the enemy does to us. He wants us to focus on where we still need victory and distract us from the power and the mountain-moving faith that we have in resting in victory that we have through Jesus. Are you struck with what I'm saying? So, so how, how do we do it? Like, how do we live in victory? How do we go from being a people that walk around feeling conquered to becoming a people that walk around understanding that we are more than conquerors because God is undefeated and there's nothing that you are going through in your life that he cannot pull you through. Ooh, somebody needs to write that down. There's nothing that you are going through in your life that God cannot pull you through. He is undefeated. He is the God of victory. He is your champion. He has won. So how do we do it? How do we live from victory? It's super simple. First Thessalonians 5 verse 16 Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Can we just say that together? Rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This was written, 1 Thessalonians was written, Thessalonians was written to a bunch of new believers in a new church that were experiencing some real opposition. And they were encountering hard stuff in their personal lives. They were being rejected by culture. And this was a letter that was written to them to strengthen their faith, to remind them that they are to live from victory and not to hope that they will have victory and in that at the end of this letter this is when it happened this is when this is written at the very end of this letter that was to strengthen them and to stir their faith and to to get them to get their eyes off of the difficulty and onto the victory of jesus paul the guy who wrote this letter to them says hey remember all you got to do is just pray continuously give thanks in everything rejoice like it's not really that complicated if we pray continuously we will walk in victory. If we pray continuously, we will walk in victory. Now where we're going as a church and where I believe where God wants to take you, we're gonna have to pray like we've never prayed before. Like, prayer is gonna have to be like a roar that comes out of this house. Prayer prayer is going to have to be like a roar that comes out of your life. And I think a lot of times we like long for transformation. We long for breakthrough. We long to walk in victory. But we don't then do the things that are the keys to victory. Because even me saying that like, oh, man, we need to pray. We need to be a praying people. We need to have like mountain moving prayers happening at all time. Like your prayer life should be like, yo, I'm about to move Something. And we think about living from that paradigm of victory. Like every time you get up in the morning, you're like, dude, I'm about to move some stuff around in the spirit. Because that's the truth of what happens when we pray. If we just have a mustard seed of faith, we can like say, yo, mountain, go there from here. You jump into the sea. Like things can shift and move. Like that is the nature of a potent prayer life. But the problem is, is that we have kind of like relegated prayer to like a few people that we think are good at it. How many would say, like, oh, man, I feel like I'm great at prayer? No one. Like, I don't know of anybody who's like, yeah, kill it. <laughs> like, my prayer life is, like, awesome. Like, no, everyone feels like their prayer life needs to get better. Everyone feels like their prayer life needs to grow. Everybody feels like their prayer life needs to expand. And, and like, and, and, and here's, here's my, my thought on it is, is that we feel that way because we've relegated prayer down into, like, this one little aspect of prayer, which is kind of this traditional, oh God, would you bless thee with the spirit of heaven and would you come and make your face known to my friends? And, and we think that we have to become like a good public speaker to become good at prayer. Public speaking and prayer, it's not the same thing. It's not, like it's not like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, I grieve for people that are like, dude, I don't wanna pray in front of people because like I don't feel like I'm any good at it. Like that that's a that's what the enemy does to silence you. Because you don't get a grade on your prayer like a speech. It's not like you're taking a speech class in college and someone's like sitting up in heaven going, "Okay, I don't know. That didn't really flow. I didn't really like that inflection there. You inflected wrong." No. Like that that's that's not at all what prayer is, man. Now, hear me. Do we need to fill this house with prayer meetings? Yes. Are you blessed when you come? Yes, 100% of the time. Do we always want to come? No. (laughs) Because we think that, like, prayer is for some people, and so it's one of those things where you're like, dude, I'm out. I'm not going to do the prayer thing. So if you're saying, like, we're going to start, like, being, like, a 24-7 prayer church, like, dude, okay, cool, like, I'll show up on Sundays, I'll support you, but I'm not gonna be a part of it. And what we're really doing is we're saying, you know what, like, I don't understand what prayer is. That's what we're saying. Because if we understood what prayer really, really is, and it's not like just walking around your house and filling the air with, like, requests. Like, God, would you do this for me, or would you move on my behalf, or would you touch this person? It's like, yeah, that's a part of prayer, but that's not all of prayer and one of the things that we're doing actually in this season is that we we have a growth course on prayer that you can take it's going to be happening but i think after church here and before church at the north at our north campus so that you can expand your understanding of what prayer is because we want to equip you we we, we want to help you we want to give you tools so that your prayer life can be strengthened here's the thing walking in victory is connected to our continual praying and some of you are like dude you just took a really wild turn we were like talking about victory and being more than conquerors and now we're talking about prayer absolutely absolutely because this is the hard work of staying in victory is prayer That's what it is. When we're feeling defeated, it is a a white flag in our soul that needs to be going up going, I surrender afresh and anew to you, Jesus. I I am surrendering to you. Now, I, I want you to hear a definition of prayer that a guy named Richard Foster, in his book called Prayer, very creatively named, Which, side note, great resource. If you're like, dude, I feel like I don't really understand what prayer is, and like my understanding of prayer is just feels really small, like it's some sort of to-do list I have to work my way through before I feel good about my day. And you're like, dude, I need God to blow my framework and expand my understanding of what prayer is. Read that book. It is a good, good resource. He defines prayer as an ongoing love relationship with God an ongoing love relationship with God. So you know what that tells us? Prayer is relational, it's not transactional. Oh, that was good. Prayer's relational, it's not transactional. Our goal of prayer is connection. Our goal in prayer is awareness. It's not just working our way through a to-do list, it's a love letter. Prayer is relational, it's not transactional, and that's why Paul tells us that we have to pray continually. It's not a call for us to walk around and never stop praying in our traditional understanding of what prayer is. We like have a goal where you're like, you're all right, cool, I'm gonna pray all day. God, thank you, God, thank you, God. Like, no, it's like that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is live constantly aware of him. Be constantly aware of him, constantly leaning into connection with him. Praying continuously is about connecting with the living God. Because when we connect to the living God, that leads to transformation. Remember, we're being transformed into his image. How? When we're contemplating the Lord's glory. When we stay focused on him and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to take my eyes off of you we stay focused on him and the eyes of our heart stay connected on him and when we're doing that it's impossible to not be changed by him it's impossible to not walk in the victory that he has for you it's impossible regardless of your circumstances to not be convinced that the god of the impossible is on your side And that's the power that we have in prayers, that we live in the victory of God when we're continually connecting with the God of victory. We live in the victory that God has for us when we're continually connecting to the God of victory. And it's so very simple. To get better at prayer, we don't need to take a speech class. We We don't need to like learn old English. We don't need to Learn a British accent, which, by the way, I think that one helps, actually. Like, something about a British accent, you're like, you know God. You know him. You know, (laughs) I just like it. Getting better at prayer is getting better at seeing. Getting better at prayer is getting better at seeing. A rich prayer life is a prayer life that is filled with mountain-moving prayers from a heart that is focused on the God who moves mountains. Getting better at prayer is getting better at seeing. We have to start looking for him in everything. We have to start looking for him. We have to like wake up with an excitement in our soul to see what he's going to be doing. Ephesians 1.17 A prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. He said, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you that the eyes of your heart would see, that they would be enlightened so that you could know the hope in which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparable great power for those who believe. Our hearts, when they can fully see the hope, the provision, the protection and the power of the living God, We begin to take a deep breath regardless of the challenges that we're facing. We begin to sit at the table that's been made for us in the presence of our enemies. Because He's with us at the table. And when we're looking at Him, it doesn't matter what's going on around the table. Because when you're staring at him, when the eyes of your heart are locked in on him, you become transformed into his image. The God who's undefeated, the victorious one. The one who conquered all so that we could then be more than conquerors. What we focus on changes what we see. What we focus on changes what we see what you're focusing on in the struggle that you're facing right now is going to change how you see the struggle that you're facing right now what you focus on it changes what you see there's this moment in 2 kings 6 that just displays this truth in just an unparalleled way and this is 2 kings 6 this is probably all time like top 5 rad stories in the bible like this it has it all man like The chase, manhunt, you know, like strategy, God speaking to people and taking them out of danger and putting them places. I mean, it has everything, dude. Like, it is just a really, really cool story. And and, and, and what it ultimately is about is this guy named Elisha, who is the prophet of God. And the prophet of God would hear from the Lord about where the people of God needed to go, what they needed to do, where they needed to be, and the enemies of the people of God felt like they were fighting against this invisible force that would always expose their plans before they got there. And so you would have this, this, this king of Aram, he, he really desperately wanted to conquer Israel. And he knew that to do that, he would first have to kill Elisha. So he had like teams of his version of Navy SEALs combing the countryside, trying to find where this guy was, who kept telling the people of God, yo, they're coming, so you guys should move to this place. And this cat and mouse game, would they, they would find him, they would go like, oh, he's over here. God would speak to Elisha, they would move. They would show up there. Nobody's there. They'd be like, dang it. And like, oh, he's over here. God would tell Elijah. They would move. And this this like cat and mouse game just like kept going on, on and on and on. The dude is losing his mind. Finally, he's like, all right, we're not doing anything else until we find this guy. All hands on deck. So they're like, yo, we found him. He's in Dothan. What a cool town, right? Dothan. So they're like, yo, we found him. He's in Dothan. Like, come on, let's surround the city. And so in the cover of darkness, they surrounded the city. And Elisha's servant woke up before Elisha went outside and saw that the entire city had been surrounded by their enemies. These guys that were hunting them. Not wanting just to send them an email telling them that they thought that they missed God. Like wanting to kill them. And his servant completely freaks out. And he's like, what do we do now? Like, what are we supposed to do? And he goes and he wakes up Elisha. And I love it. I I love what Elisha tells him. He says this in verse 16. Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them." His servant's like, okay, yo, let's go outside because I don't think you understood what I said. And Elisha's like, no, no, no. Like, don't be afraid. You got nothing to worry about. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then it says, Elisha prayed. Open his eyes. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can you imagine that blink? You know, the servant's like, whoa! (laughs) Where did these guys come from? Look, here's what I want you to understand. Do you know that Elisha and his servant were in the same circumstance? They were looking at the same thing, but they were focused on different things. Elisha was focused on the living God. His gaze was on what God was doing not on what seemed to be his coming defeat because he knew god's my defender god fights for me i have nothing to fear he's with me he's not going to allow anything to come at me or on me he has got us and so his servant all of a sudden the eyes of his heart opened the eyes of his heart opened and he was like oh my gosh i'm i was focusing on the enemy versus focusing on the god of victory and elisha's prayer life was gnarly dude i mean he prayed some crazy prayers he saw god do some unreal things right but the the the, the, the gist of his life was he was committed to staying connected to the living god he lived to keep the eyes of his heart focused on what god was doing regardless of what he was experiencing in the natural man you know what my prayer is for us god open our eyes that's like my prayer that's like been bubbling up inside of me it's like god open our eyes to see that that our enemies are surrounded that you are in control that we have nothing to fear that we have nothing to be discouraged about. We have nothing to be anxious about because the living God is fighting for you and you just need to be still. You are more than a conqueror. Our God is undefeated. Victory has already come. We just have to stay alive to what he's doing and experience the grace that he's giving us to walk in victory, to live in victory, to establish our lives from victory we don't have to try to muster it up and there's nothing that Elisha had to do to get God to show up to defend him don't you love that he was asleep he didn't pray oh God would you come and rescue us no God had already decided it's on and God was already there God was already moving Sometimes we think we have to create the victory, that we have to say the right things, pray the right way, go about things the right way. And no, 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 no. What we have to do is focus on him. We focus on him. Our prayer life is going to go through the roof because it's about a relationship. It's not about a transaction. It's about staying connected to him. And if you want a vibrant prayer life, if you want a life that revolves around the victory of God, then rest in his presence. My goal for all of us this week is that we would have an awareness alarm. I want you maybe to put it on your phone, maybe like write yourself a note, stick it on your mirror in your bathroom, maybe put it on your dashboard in your car and just say like, look at him. Just something that's gonna be like, look at him. And if we can just try to increase how much we are looking at him, it will then translate to how much we're experiencing the victory of God in our lives. It's not gonna change your circumstances, but it's gonna change how you see your circumstances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not gonna change the fact that you might be going through a hard time, but it is going to change what you're looking at in the hard time. You might be in such a mess and you're like, dude, I don't know how God's going to turn all this for good. I don't know how God's going to flip this around, but I can focus on the God who does turn all things around for good. Stop looking for the solution and start looking at the God who loves you. Stop looking for the thing that you want to change and just be with Him. It's not about a transaction. It's about a Relationship, because our God is undefeated. He's already won. So you know what that means? That we are too. Just let that sink in for a minute. Because if you're anything like me, there's an area of your life that does not feel undefeated. But you're more than a conqueror. What's coming at you is not bigger than what's inside of you. We just have to live in the victory of God by saying, God, open our eyes so that we can see you and see what you're doing. And when we're doing that, we're going to be transformed. We're going to be healed. We're going to be set free. We're going to be delivered. We're going to be overwhelmed by the victory of who he is, regardless of the battle that we might be fighting.